Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky, and I am one of your hosts. We are joined today by my co-host, Marin. It's Marin's day back on the podcast. Hey, Marin. Hey, hey, Paul Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. What day is it? It's uh, Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday, and you'll be listening to this, um, listeners, you'll be listening to this on Monday. Uh, what's going on uh, at the church this week? So this week we had um, our confirmation students come before the session with their mentors and read their faith statements, and be and they were welcomed into membership in the church. And then we're looking ahead to not the this Sunday that we just recorded, but to Pentecost Sunday, June 5th, when we celebrate all those kids in worship. We had those kids on the podcast on last pod. week, yep. and we had a lot of listens to that. Um, it was cool. I didn't mention it last week, um, but I did teach a lot of those boys when they were a lot younger in elementary school. So uh, just like their parents and everyone, it's been cool to see them grow up, them grow up. and grow up in the church. Uh, I shared a little bit. I, I wasn't confirmed in Catholic church uh, when I was little. My sister was. So I shared last week that I remember my sister going into classes, extra classes, which was kind of a big deal, I guess, and doing it. Um, were you confirmed in the Presbyterian Church? Yes, I was. When you were same age as these yeah, guys? Yeah, like a yeah, middle, sort of middle school, maybe early high school age. What was that like? Yeah, I re- like I don't remember. I remember going to classes and um, had a great peer group for that. And I remember having to be examined by the session, which is kind of the wording of our polity is like the, you're examined about your faith uh, before you're welcomed into worship. And I, um, I remember feeling very nervous about that and sat down with, um, I think a couple elders in the church, not like the whole session, and they were just lovely. Um, and they asked me questions and we had a great conversation. And so for my confirmation, oftentimes the church will give gifts to the students. And so my confirmation gift was a new international version student edition Bible, which I have sitting in front of me on the table. Let's rewind to the uh, Marin student Bible episode a couple weeks ago. That's right. Did this start? the? Oh, it did. Started the... Oh, for sure. The collection. So uh, my friend Jenny and I, who went through confirmation together, made a vow to destroy our Bibles in the best sense, meaning to, to to wear them out, to use them so much. And so I have my NIV student Bible in front of me, and it is falling apart. I need to get it rebound. But it's underlined, and it's loved, and I have loads of little tabs of um, at certain places in the Bible where it spoke to me in a particular way. I made notes in the margins. So this is just a little um, push to say, use your Bibles, write in them. They're for, for you and for your edification. Um, and it's fun sometimes to go back and see the notes that you made years later, how you read that text. So I lo- had loved my Confirmation Bible. I heard from those boys last week that, you know, they talked a lot about enjoying the class because it um, kind of was what maybe what some of them needed to read the Bible more regularly. And they had been during the class. So that was cool to hear. That's great. Yeah. I was also impressed by... Uh, just talk of their confirmation sort of being not an end to anything, but more of a beginning and more of a, a start. And the boys seem to really have a good grasp of 
that they don't have to have all the answers to all the questions right now and that they're going to have lots of questions in the future about faith and about this and about that and that they have sort of this community that they can come to. Yeah, it's an invitation to deeper commitment and community. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing that little story from your youth. I wish I had one about my confirmation, but uh, Anna says I can still get confirmed. It's it not too late. It is not too late. It is friend. not too late. So who knows? Stay tuned. You never know what could happen. Well, have a great week, everyone. Enjoy our sermon. And uh, thanks for listening. Here we go. As we prepare now to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us join together in prayer. By the power of the Holy Spirit, open our minds to the word, your Son, who comes to us as one of us and ascends to the heavens to remain with us. Amen. For 40 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, we are told by Luke, that Jesus spent time with his friends and his followers. He taught them and mentored them and instructed them on what would come next. It must have felt like after the crisis that was Palm Sunday and the arrest and trial and the torture and death of Jesus and the fear of the disciples that they might be next. After all of that, it must have felt like such a relief Things have returned to normal, it feels like. So comforting to have a guide on how to live, how to navigate this world that they are living in. And yet, there are signs all along that something was going to change. In the first book that Luke wrote, we call it the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells about this time after Jesus' resurrection. He writes that, Jesus walked with his disciples out of the city, walked the, with them as far as about two miles to Bethany on the Mount of Olives. And then he raised his hands over them and blessed them. And then he left them and was taken up into heaven, a moment in time that we call the Ascension. Luke thinks this moment is important enough that it needs to be described twice. And so as he picks up the story in the second book that he writes, the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which shorthand we call Acts, and he describes the Ascension moment again here and in greater detail. So let's listen to this second, second telling of the Ascension from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. This is the Common English Bible translation. So hear now God's word to us. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with, with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. And while they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me, John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? 
Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight while he was going away. And as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing here looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. The book of Acts goes on to tell us all about what the disciples did after that moment. They went back to Jerusalem. They united in prayer. They worshiped together, men and women together, including Jesus's mother, Mary, we are told. And the next thing they did, the next thing they did was to have a nominating committee suggest names to fill an empty seat on their leadership team, which feels like a very Presbyterian thing to do. And the story goes on to tell about all the joys and the struggles of the Christian church being born. But what about Jesus? Where did Jesus go and what is Jesus doing even now? The writer to the letter to the Hebrews, is, uh, which is a book we find later in the New Testament, gives us an idea how to answer that question. What is Jesus doing even now? Jesus has ascended to where he came from, the very presence of God, the very heart of God. But even there, he has not forgotten us because he remembers what it is like to be us, what it is like to be human. He remembers what it is like to worry and to be afraid, what it is like to be weary and to be broken. And so we have an advocate and friend who knows us and intercedes on our behalf. So friends, this is from Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. This is the new revised standard version updated edition. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On this particular Sunday, when we are collectively grieving, when we are angry or confused, wondering what will happen next, wondering what should happen next, Ascension is a good text for us to study together. This Ascension event that we have described for us twice in Luke and in Acts is a moment in time that we perhaps do not pay enough attention to. 
It is celebrated 40 days after Easter Sunday, which lands it on a Thursday, perhaps inconveniently. But we are celebrating it today on a Sunday because it is too important to miss. Here is why I think Ascension is important for us to pay attention to. Ascension is the day for everyone who has felt at some point, maybe even right now, that God has left them behind, that God is missing from their lives and the world. Ascension is a day for people who have known the before and the after moments of losing someone they love. Ascension is for all those who wonder what on earth we are to do now. What is our purpose? Ascension is for everyone who wonders why Jesus isn't still down here, walking around. Why did Jesus have to leave? Where did he go? And what is he doing now, especially when it feels like we could really use him? Profound questions to try and answer in about 15 minutes. Luke tells us that Jesus has been teaching his disciples, instructing them, preparing them, telling them about God's kingdom, telling them that the Holy Spirit was going to come and be with them. And their response to all of this is, Jesus, is this the point when you're going to overthrow the Romans and their puppet kings and sit on the throne in Jerusalem so that it will be just like when David ruled everything? Is this finally the moment when we will get all the power back is this finally the moment when you are going to fix everything that is wrong? They finally, finally voice the question that they have always wondered. When Jesus rode on a donkey back to the cheering of crowds, to the waving of palms riding towards the temple, his followers must have thought, this, this is the moment when it will happen. And when Judas brought the guards to arrest Jesus in the garden, perhaps Judas thought, this will be the moment. Finally, Jesus will lift up his weapon and defend himself and fight and overthrow the powers that be. And when Jesus conquered the final enemy, death, and returned to his followers, surely this would now be the moment that they had been waiting for. When things are wrong in the world and in our lives, isn't it so often the way that we wish that God would just come down and fix it. Someone fix it, someone help. Jesus answers the anxious disciples, but it wasn't the answer they were hoping for. Jesus is not going to be a human king and solve everything with the wave of his hand. God, it turns out, doesn't fit into our boxes or our plans. God is not the vending machine in the sky who gives us exactly what we want. Jesus reminds them instead that they are not God. There are mysteries beyond their knowing. God's ways are not our ways and God's thoughts are not our thoughts as the prophet Isaiah writes. And the piece that they are missing is that instead of doing things for them, God is coming to be with them as Holy Spirit. And that Spirit of God, we are told by the writers of the Bible who have known the presence of the Spirit intimately, 
That spirit, God's spirit that comes is the comforter, the teacher, the advocate, power and companion for us. The spirit gives words and wisdom to those who are afraid to speak. The spirit shows the next step forward when we are lost. That spirit gives hope in impossible and unimaginable situations, which the disciples will face, which we face even now. And after Jesus answered their question, he was lifted up before their eyes and out of sight. And I imagine these confused disciples staring up at heaven, asking themselves, but Jesus, where are you going? We just got you back. Why are you leaving us again? And this, this is the turning point before Jesus was with them and after Jesus is gone. And the disciples stand there transfixed, staring up as if expecting that Jesus will be right back. And the two men appear in white robes like, like the two angels in the empty tomb who speak to Mary Magdalene, like the two people who appear beside Jesus up on the mountain at his transfiguration. So as we have talked about before, the Bible, stories in the Bible echo one another, point to one another as if to say, see how these things are connected. See how these things are connected. Transfiguration, resurrection, ascension, all pointing to Jesus Christ, returning to his place as the, in the universe as Christ for all the world. See how these are connected. The two men say to the disciples, stop, stop looking up at heaven. Don't get stuck at this point between the before and the after. Jesus has told you what to do and given you the tools to do it. The work is yours now to do. In the book that we just finished in the Thursday Women's Bible Study, Miracles and Other Ordinary Things, the author, Sarah Bessie, writes about her time after a near-fatal car accident that left her in constant pain, sometimes unable to walk, sometimes too exhausted to get out of bed. And she writes, about her summer of wallowing, her summer of wallowing, of being overwhelmed by a sense of loss of who she was before the accident. And she struggled to figure out how to pray and how to go to church. She felt completely empty, as if she would never feel anything again. But there came a point at the end of the summer when she experienced a miracle but a very ordinary kind of miracle, she notes, the miracle of an ordinary woman with ordinary grief and utterly ordinary suffering. So watching a blue heron one day by a waterfall, she heard these words like an invitation in her thoughts. As much as you are able, choose life. As much as you are able, choose life. And I think, I think this is what the angels are getting at. They are telling the disciples to choose life, 
to go and live and do what Jesus told them to do to embody the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And to do so, they would need to let go of the idea that Jesus would be right back to do it for them. They would need to let go of the idea that they cannot take the world by force or by earthly strength. They would need to rely on the gifts of God to wait for the Spirit to move, often without immediate success or reassurances. The ascension moment is all about trust in God in the face of uncertainty. The ascension moment is all about trust in God in the face of uncertainty. Don't get stuck here. The work is yours now to do, the angels say. And I find those words challenging to hear when I don't know exactly what to do. But there are clues in the story here to help us. We pay attention to what Jesus has taught us. We, we worship, we pray, we listen to the Holy Spirit and we move forward. But there is, there is this additional piece, the part, that part um, in the letter to the Hebrews that tells us, that tells us about Jesus that is, that is too, this too is wrapped up in the meaning of ascension. Jesus has not abandoned us or this world. He, ha, he was sent from the heart of God and he returned to the heart of God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Jesus sits next to God, pleading on our behalf, praying for us, so that we know without a doubt that someone up there hears our most desperate cries for help and grace, for he himself knows our suffering. The ascended Jesus is doing that work, interceding for us, so that we know that help and grace are never, never out of our reach. The Ascension reminds us that we are not abandoned. The Ascension reminds us that we are not abandoned. Jesus has not left us alone. The Spirit has come. The Spirit is with us. And our place in this world is to choose life as much as we are able to act to look for signs of God's kingdom, to help those efforts along in the ways in which we are each individually called, knowing that our task is to do something, to be changed, to be active, to work to make the world more human, more good, more loving, more Christ-like. Amen.
Friends, go now in safety, for you cannot go where God is not. Go now in love, for love alone endures. Go now with purpose, and God will honor your dedication. Go now in peace, for it is the gift of God to those whose hearts and minds are in Christ Jesus. Amen.